0: You're about to experience the cultural
1: phenomena that's sweeping the nation. Oh, yeah,
0: it's happening. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn. Dirty ape!
1: Podcast. This episode, Scott here with Charlie and Paul. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. No, Liam. Charlie's hot-footed it from the den. Sure. Good result. Very good result. Very good performance. But I'm struggling to process me. All being quite good. At the
2: moment. <laughs> I'm Not even sure I like it. As I've said before, it's it's weird. Nothing to moan about. <laughs> no, that well, that I usually have to have something to criticise or lament but just the thought of them being in the Premier League next season is mental
1: battling towards the playoffs as we speak so yeah. fingers crossed mate we'll, we'll never see him again if they get into the I'll, Premier but League I'll
2: be going to like, every game I can yeah. if we're playing him. we we'll never five. see him
1: <laughs> I, fingers <laughs> oh, crossed start recording on Sundays <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll have
2: to find well, that's the ready. only other side to it is that we'll have a, okay. a kind of a certain, not a certain, We'll have a lack of three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, so all our games mm. will be different days, different times. Yeah, so. yeah. right. Slave
1: to the Sky Sports, mate. Sure. Yeah. Murder. Movie this evening, selected by your good self. What is it, mate? Uh,
2: I chose *Kneel by Mouth*, uh, written and directed by Gary Oldman, starring Kathy
1: Burke, Laila Morse, and Charlie Creed-Miles. Mm. Yeah. We'll be talking about that in about twenty minutes, half hour or so. We've got a bit of foreplay coming up first. One, two, three, four.
3: Well, had I done foreplay? One, two, three, four. Ah, ah, ah! Woohoo!
1: Foreplay for this episode, and as, as the boys have just pointed out, there's only three of us, so it's really strictly three play. Not
2: this has got the
4: same be... ring to
1: it, it hasn't, <laughs> has not it? Not as much lubrication. <laughs> <laughs> um, bit of a breakdown in communication on this week's subject.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, because Neil by Mouth was was made, released in 1997, we have elected just to discuss a movie each from 1997. In the communication that I think I sent out originally, we thought, or I thought, Neil by Mouth was made in 96. So Charlie yeah. has selected a movie from 1996. Also, I
2: think it was shown at Cannes in
1: 1996. But so he might get be all right. Until... Oh, yeah. That's fine. We'll yeah. let him off. That's fine. Yeah, somebody watched it in 1997. That's all that matters. Uh. We'll save your one for the second. Paul, do you want to go first with your one, mate?
4: Yep. I'll see if Charlie can guess this. The synopsis is, In the colourful future... A cab driver unwittingly becomes the central figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep evil and Mr Zorg at bay.
2: Um, is there a Gary Oldman connection <laughs> there here? There might be. <laughs> is it The Fifth Element? It is, yeah. Luke Besson. Yeah. Interesting story in relation to Neil
1: Boyd Mouth as well. Yeah. Produced by Luke Besson. Yeah. 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 It's, um, Have you picked it because you like the film? Or just... I, I do like the film. Yeah.
4: It, I was looking for all the films of 97 and there was some great films in that year it's it's a very strange Bruce Willis film it's a very strange film full stop yeah it, it's very zany and colourful and sort of it was sci-fi and action and um,
2: it, it was Luke Besson on the world stage
4: I think like, yes. uh, and I mean miller Well is done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> easy on the eye
2: not so much on the tongue never been that close (laughs) I've never seen her fifth element
4: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's it's again one of those films that gets played a lot on like your film fours or your e4s whatever and it's one that I've probably seen start to finish three, four times Mm -hmm. but I've seen bits of it yeah. loads I've seen the last hour a lot or oh, right. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah just one of those films that's on TV quite a bit I've
2: mm. never seen it actually have you not mm. well well aware of it I by a yeah, lot because my age when it came
4: up I don't low. know that a first view now yeah would be
2: appreciated
1: okay <laughs> I, I think Charlie might sort of be intrigued as to the as where it sits in the Luke Besson catalogue yeah
2: because I love Nikita I love Leon um, yeah, some of the later stuff there, is, can be cheesy it? but quite good like Three yeah. Days to Kill Three Days to Kill we, right, didn't yeah. we Yeah, yeah
1: oh, um, Kevin Costner, Costner.
4: I yeah. loved that film yeah, yeah. that was
2: unusually... conceptually mental but yeah it's
4: just like I stumbled across that Kevin Costner as an action hero because it was probably his first one as a
1: as it's, an old man, like it's the first a, one of these sort of comeback. Yeah, yeah, and I was
4: really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. We, we were actually.
1: I think I even went to
2: see it at the cinema because I had time to kill. I went to see Chef the same day. <laughs> sure, I had uh, three hours to kill because um, <laughs> I went to see Chef to John Favreau on the same day, mm. and I did that as a double bill because I think it was back when I had the uh, the limitless card, yeah. so that it, it didn't cost me any more. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. It was
4: an unusual sort of happy find that yeah. Movie.
2: Yeah. Fifth element though, mm. Gary Oldman actually starred in that film he so that he could fund the making of Neil Blood Mouth. Oh. Uh-huh. He said he was or, or maybe I'm not sure no, it would have been after. Yeah. But he said basically I was in Besson's sort of debt really. Yeah. Besson said, I'll give you the money for this if you star in My Next Blockbuster, because they'd already worked together in Leon.
1: Anyone would think we scripted this, wouldn't they? Well, good choice, Paul, because this yeah. is all linking together. Yeah, so. that was purely coincidental.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to say I planned it, uh, but I'll be
1: lying. I've seen it a couple of times. I think I watched it when it came out, I had it on DVD, enjoyed it. I can't remember too much about it. I remember the, the blue opera singing Alien. It has movie. got
4: some really weird bits Chris in Chris Rock? It. Is yeah, as is. the um,
1: like the in the
4: C type thing. sort of transvestite Host sort of, of a yeah, yeah, and yeah, and Bruce Willis is, I say, a taxi driver in these cabs that are actually floating. Yeah, right. it is just she really, usually gets really driven weird.
2: around in cabs in films. I think, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a, yeah. Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> other films, 16. other films, <laughs> Moonlighting, <three. laughs> <No blocks>. <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly yeah. the Russian Was Die Hard one. I seem to remember Gary Oldman being like an arms dealer in it or something, like
1: a, a bizarre haircut. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah.
4: It's, so it it's quite a a long film for sort of like genre. Yeah. yeah, it it's difficult to put in a genre. It is sci fi, but it is also an action. It's but like but comic it, book type yeah, sci fi, yeah, but it it's also very off the wall. Yeah, the, there's yeah, there's a lot of bright
1: colours and that's
2: early Besson though Yeah.
1: you know you look at some of the early French stuff
2: Nikita in particular is kind of like almost it's like post-apocalyptic imagery and it's yeah. weird like he's a, he's a bit of a mental case really you know Besson as a filmmaker
1: yeah it makes you wonder if is that his first big Hollywood movie I don't know. the
2: professional was quite successful like Leon, yeah but if he had his own way, that would have been a bit of a nonce-fest, apparently, as well, wouldn't it? But, <laughs> right, okay. And then uh, P- Natalie Portman's parents stepped in and said, no, no you can't have this that. romantic. Like.
1: Yeah, quite right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fuck's sake. Okay, so Paul's choice is the fifth element. Let's go back to 1996, possibly 97. Charlie, what have you Right, I'll read
2: the synopsis. No, it's a film that's close to my heart. Um, Robert Grant is the concierge of the elegant, majestic hotel. With inspectors due for a surprise visit, the Majestic's owner, Mrs Dubrow, puts extra pressure on Robert to keep the establishment running flawlessly. Robert, hoping to be rewarded with some time off of work to relax with his sons, vows to put the utmost care into his duties, a task that's complicated by one guest's unruly, light-fingered orangutan. It's not, not ranked.
1: I just got as soon as that last word came in, <laughs> it sounded like something that is almost Oscar worthy. But I've got a very sneaking suspicion that it's Dunstan chicks. It is Dunstan
2: chicks. <laughs> Probably the finest film that Faye Dunaway ever starred in. <laughs> I am.
1: I've uh, never seen this. <laughs> is it a young Thora Birch in that? or am I thinking of something be. else?
2: It might be. I know Faye Dunaway is the hotel. She, she's in a owner. film.
1: Thora Birch. Um, every
2: was, every, every which way but loose. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve monkeys.
1: It's <laughs> it's one of those films that we always mention in the same breath as Cop and a Half. Yeah, and uh, three men and a little lady. The
2: first kid.
1: Is that with one? Sinbad
2: oh, in it, do you remember?
1: Oh God! And there was Andre, the one with the seal. Blank check. Blank check. <laughs> That's a whole genre. Of the, yeah. this, this whole thing, there were Touchstone pictures. I'm, I'm assuming they, they were all sort of roundabout. Definitely, era. I think Disney
2: made a couple of them, but there was sort of like a, a kind of supplementary department of Disney that wasn't making the big bucks. It was more it was the just live action the and shit. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. It
1: was it all sort of round about the time of Free Willing Right. Okay. And you get all these sort of like animal kid interaction type movies. Mm. There was Andre the Seal, there was Dunstan Checks In, there was, I think it was Monkey Trouble, is the one we thought of. Or something like that. Um, there was Harriet p- the Spy? Yes. Was there one with a parrot called Paulie as well? Yes, uh, I've yeah. seen that. It's a bizarre genre. Um, obviously, you're not picking it as one of your Oscar contenders for the <laughs> year. <laughs> um, <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> it should have been. <laughs>
2: And it's no Have coincidence. Have you seen it?
1: Have you actually seen
2: it? I remember watching it in the Odeon cinema <laughs> at Elephant and Castle when it came out. Right. And being uh being bewitched by it, it is, actually.
1: It and, um, yeah, bedazzled. And, <laughs> enthralled.
2: And I I think it's no coincidence that Faye Dunaway's in it because it's clearly an oversight by the Academy. Yeah, clearly an oversight.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it's brilliant. It's uh It's monkeyist, actually, that right. it didn't Oscar's so human. And
1: it's oh, <laughs> brilliant. And it is a real orangutan, there's no CGI. Yeah, thing, yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. It's, a,
2: it's a pioneering, if anything. You think so, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: Is this one I should look up tomorrow and watch?
2: Uh, I think, uh, if I was you, I'd watch it when you get in, to be honest. <laughs>
4: right, okay, I won't wait.
2: Baby, stay Out, also. That's the one. Sort of
1: <laughs> um, Dunstan checks in, I'm just checking on IMDb. Here. It's got Rupert Everett in it of course it has Paul Rubens who's Pee Wee Perman
2: oh he got done for like when he wanking in public places and that Pee Wee in cinema oh what
1: Um, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld Um, incredible incredible these movies are made made by a guy directed by a guy called Ken (laughs) Quappis Really, Quapis? Yes, King Quapis, that well-known director. <laughs> Let me just see what other Sounds notable like a Japanese movie. insult isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, like,
2: the it's, it's, it's yeah, it's like with a lisp. Yeah,
1: <laughs> King is not Oriental in any way, shape, or form. He was born in Illinois, and he is probably best known for being the Quapis. Interestingly, um, recently, two years ago, a walk in the woods, which was Nick Nolte and. Robert Redford. Oh, Robert yeah. Redford gets brought up in every single episode, doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? Yeah. Um, He's very he much is. to know Peter that's Sellers. That's one of his latest films, The Walk in the Woods, which has got quite good reviews. I think of on One Mississippi, Happy Ish. Big Miracle, which looks like it's about whales. You know, there's a, there's a, well, an animal. Yeah, there's a of, theme here. Yeah. And it's definitely 1996. But uh, yeah, if it was actually considered at can, I think we can.
2: I was talking back Neil by Mouth <laughs> <laughs> being a can. I'm not sure, I'm not sure dancing checks in Won the palm door. Well,
1: you, it could have been up for contention. Yeah. You know, we'll have to have a look see what, was, what else was about in 1996. Okay, 1997. Now, I'm not saying this is the greatest movie of all, of all time, or even of the year, but I want to bring it to the table to discuss your thoughts on it. It was the biggest film of 1997, Titanic. Yeah. There's Paul's answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on Titanic? Why is it, why is it loathed? Why, why, why do it's, we get that reaction? I think
4: it's one of the, It was made for women. I'm sorry. The film was made,
2: although it's got... Yeah, but that is still 50% of the population, so yeah. it doesn't account for it being maligned, <laughs> I think.
1: Well,
4: I don't know many women that don't like it.
1: But do we know any guys that do enjoy the film? Because I like it. But it's only because I like the whole uh, the historical aspect
4: of it. I, I like the accuracy, historical yeah, and factual is, is things, but it's just, it was so Hollywoodized. Yeah. Um, too long, hated the theme tune, which just was in the charts forever.
2: <laughs> that seemed to be a real 90s thing, when you think of like The Wet Wet Wet, Wet Song and Four Weddings and the Funeral, and Brian Adams. Bodyguards. They were all film soundtrack yeah. and I think the success of the movies actually elevated it and vice versa yeah. as well yeah they
1: played off each other yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I just wanted to get your opinions as to why you, you think that you know it won 11 Oscars or whatever it was wasn't yeah. it so, you know it's the biggest Oscar winner since Ben Hur. I
2: I haven't seen it since 97 98, really? 98 oh, when right. it first came out on okay. it would have been VHS then yeah. and I didn't have any sort of I wasn't part of the demographic because Paul says but I, the age meant that I didn't really have any sort of critical faculties to watch a film then. Yeah. But I, because it's been so long, I feel like I've bought into the, the discourse about it not being any good. So I can't, Ooh. hand on heart, say what I think about it yeah. without rewatching watching it. I suspect that I probably would dislike it because of the schmaltziness. Yeah. Uh, say, so
4: I'm very interested in the history of Titanic yeah. and... The conspiracy theories and whatever yeah. but I just I've I've seen it once all the way through
2: mm. it's fairly long films cool. it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah
4: and it, it was just just wasn't for you was it, it
2: was soppy American shite <laughs> I think they they emulated it with Pearl, uh, Pearl Harbor yeah they chose a, a sort of quite tragic significant historical event and but they only did it through the prism of a love story, yeah. which got a few yeah. people's goats. That is true. Yeah. But then I will go back to it someday. I just can't imagine
1: when and, and why. No.
4: Yeah. It'd have to be... I'll bet you the next time you watch it, it'll be with a girlfriend.
2: <laughs> well, <Okay>. so, <laughs> will make it yeah. so there's a good chance I'll never see it again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoy it. But then I like big, epic Hollywood movies. I think mm. it's
2: because you are the best type of movie movie viewer in that you are not, you're not a snob. You're not judgmental. In that you don't have any pre or preconceived things about a film till you've seen it. Yep. And are you trying to say he's got no taste? No,
1: no, no. <laughs> no, no. Like, Charlie's fully aware that I always try and see some good in every film that I watch. I try mm. and see some merits in any movie.
2: And also, it's like. Who cares if something is style over substance? Because it's the movies. It's not a documentary. It should be entertaining and yeah. enchanting and yeah. exaggerated. Do you know what?
4: I remember when it came out mm. and I was more interested in... Because they had a documentary on how they made the movies. Yes. That was thoroughly interesting. Yeah.
1: It's the early days of CGI Yeah, as well, because as they, they, they so made... Was technology? it a
4: third-size um, copy or replica of Something the whole ship. like that,
1: or the they whole built ship. one half of it, yeah. and then and they, they built one half of it, split it down the middle, and then reversed the film to show the other side of the, the ship.
2: Only one-fourth of it was showing, a bit like the uh, iceberg. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um I've, that's what I seem to remember. I'd have been about 10, 9, 10, mm. and I remember all the kind of media around it being about, this is a landmark moment in film production itself, and you must see what they've achieved and yeah.
1: the technology was invented by James Cameron. You
2: felt like a leper if we you did. hadn't seen it yeah. sort of thing.
1: We had this conversation before that I think it was that the early days of CGI of the, the Abyss was one of his you know early uses of that that technical um, special effects with the water and all that sort of stuff. And he then brought it forward into T2 yeah which was 92 and then obviously that technology that developed
2: over, yeah is. and avatar was another one and wasn't avatar it Avatar was yeah.
1: after titanic i think wasn't it yeah but he invented pretty much a lot of that cgi technology that spielberg would go on to use
4: yeah which i say Jurassic it Park is one attraction. of those films that even if you don't like it you've got to admire how much effort and obviously money was put into the production of it yeah that
2: seems to be James Cameron's problem, mm-hmm. though. He makes films that cause a sensation at the time but don't stand a test. Yeah. Like, so, all right, T2's an exception because I think most people really do like that yeah, film. It's yeah. a fantastic sequel. Yeah. But like, I remember Avatar causing mania. Mm. And I've, I've sat and seen bits of it and I thought, this is fucking garbage. Same yeah. I've,
4: I've seen bits of it and... Pocahontas the cunts. I think it was last year I actually sat and watched the whole film. It
2: looks ropey now
3: as and well, I yeah, think.
4: It's the plot is so lacking. Yeah. I mean you can see the money and the effort been put into it, but again, as we say with and Titanic, there's so much money being put into the production of a new aspect of filmmaking.
2: Where's your narrative and the, where's your characterisation yeah, yeah. and where's yeah, your action? I'd, actual
4: I'd rather see things that might look a a bit iffy round the edges. i have a plot.
2: I would rather watch a film like the one we're gonna work, we're gonna discuss that probably didn't cost an awful lot of money no. to make, but he's bursting at the seams with emotion and yeah, and yeah. power and that. But
1: I think it was rewarded for the Oscars because it was sort of harkening back to those golden days of Hollywood where big scale productions like Ben Hur were being made, and yeah. it was the talk of not just Hollywood but the worldwide buzz was oh they're making this great movie, it's costing it wasn't it the first like hundred million dollar movie or something or, or yeah. that might be more than world, I can't remember, but <laughs> it was breaking some record for the amount it was costing and It was um, just it
2: was just a sensation, I think. Yeah. It, it just captured everyone's sort of attention. And whether they liked and it, I or suppose not.
4: the the stars in it as well, they were as big as they could be at that time. Think.
1: Was DiCaprio massive at yeah, the time? he was. He
4: was, he was yeah. certainly yeah. in the ascendancy. Be- of he the was the, one. the young starlet, as it were. Yeah, but what, that because, cemented it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What about Kate Winslet?
4: Yeah, she was. I
1: think had she had she done the Jane Austen stuff. I think before? she'd been Oscar nominated shortly before it. I think. Yeah, I but they
2: are probably. It's one of those duos in film history where. It's better than the sum of its parts, you know, mm. know it becomes yeah. iconic. It's kind of like a... And they were both a very,
4: very squeaky clean as
2: well. well it's like a it, Trevor Howard and Celia Rogers sort of set yeah. Celia Johnson, yeah. Celia yeah. Johnson, sorry, where it's kind of like they're not the two greatest actors, but together they're iconic kind yeah. of thing. Oh God, but
1: they, they go as a couple, yeah, you, you can't separate the two. For a long
2: time, I kind of didn't... I almost disliked Leonardo DiCaprio... I,
4: I didn't like him until I saw that. Catch Me If You Can.
2: Probably around oh, yeah. the same time that yeah, I, I started but, I mean, I, I
4: I avoided his films for a long time, and I saw that a good few years I after I think it the work he
2: did with Scorsese and the stuff like and, Departed and, yeah, and that.
4: And like him in Inception. Django Unchained. His Django Unchained and, and Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Yeah, mate, yeah but. Christ, yeah. He definitely one that as he's sort of reached his late 30s, early 40s, He's now more... He's, not, he's more an actor. He's, he's not
2: reliant on sex symbol yeah, status.
4: He's yeah, just, he's he's one I won't avoid now, whereas before... Uh, I think Brad Pitt went through a similar kind of yeah, journey, actually. Proof that yeah.
1: that can actually act. You yeah, know, yeah
4: gone through that phase of taking roles just because it's going to promote them. Johnny Depp's still
2: than, trying to get there and never will because he's a yeah, dickhead.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Savage. No, it's true. <laughs> Uh oh, So researching for this this episode, Charlie, you were looking at movies from nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Paul and I were talking before you turned up. You
2: thought I was going to choose Trainspot in.
1: No, no, because we were
2: looking at ninety seven.
1: We were <laughs> looking at nineteen ninety-seven movies. And it was just one of those bloody marvellous years. Wow. Um, mm. There I is. let me just read some of these a out. A lot of good movies now. Titanic the fifth element. Goodwill hunting.
2: Is it that early, Good Will Hunting? Oh,
1: yeah. Boogie Nights.
2: Brilliant film. I would have. Not so. I probably would have picked that no, if I, I had actually it. done my no, job. There's
4: one I nearly picked, which I think Tommy you'll Barasco. like.
2: Good film, despite yeah. what I've just said about Johnny Depp. Yeah. Really good film.
1: Uh, Jackie Brown. So you yeah. would have struggled yeah. now. You and would have really struggled. What's
4: the one? <laughs> L.A. Confidential.
1: Fuck me, yeah.
4: Yeah, which I've I've only seen once, but I know I loved it's it. An it's a great film. film.
1: But then. Men in Black was also this year. Starship Troopers, <laughs> but then you also get it's also the year of the turkey. You know you've got the Postman, the Kevin Cosner film, um, Batman and Robin. Oh my god! Face Off, Con Air. Jeez, Dante's it, Peak, which is one oh, of the I've, I've,
4: guilty same I've Dante's Peak. Wasn't Volcano out as well?
1: Know, there was either this year. They were very close together, weren't they? The two volcano movies. So
2: one was it was Mars Attacks, ninety
1: seven can't see it on
2: this list, no, Anaconda God. again. Oh, my God. There. It was, it was the, the year of the B-movie becoming part of the mainstream, I think. Mm.
1: It was a bizarre year, but it was also a good year. You know, when you see things like that, yeah. the confidential boogie nights, things like that, but sort of playing against them at the same time in the cinema, you've got The Saint with Val Kilmer or oh Anaconda, you know. It's, just <laughs> it's
2: probably one of the last years where you get some absolute diamonds amongst the... Uh, other box office sort of hits because I think sort of 99 at least 99 onwards it becomes yeah I, I think this is shit now I, as yeah. we
4: go on into the 2000s you get the cinema releases and then you get the straight to DVDs and people whereas around back then rubber, you'd yeah. get a lot of films hit in the cinema that should never have hit the cinema
2: oh, yes. <laughs> films with people in rubber co- costumes for more ones <laughs>
1: Well, like you say it's just pre that time yeah, the, the, the Marvel stuff the music industry is the same yeah? I've got a
2: theory that they both probably went through the same thing but I know the music industry made a billion pounds in a year for the first time in 97 and ever since it's just become about being a conveyor belt and not actually rewarding artistic merit but what can be the biggest hit possible. You know
1: what, you saying that I can pretty much pinpoint that round about that sort of time is when I stopped listening to chart music. Yeah. Pretty much. It was the end of the Britpop era. It was the year that Spice Girls started. There you go, that's probably what done it for me. Yeah. And then you got Steps and all that.
4: It's the... I know that he had created bands up until that point but it was the year that manufactured bands really probably sort probably that of
1: time of reality TV kicking off yeah, as not, well. certainly
2: not long before you yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: I mean Pop- 97's got a lot to fucking yeah, so put Tony would Blair
4: have been not shortly after yes because that was the start yeah. of his
1: 10 year tenure wasn't
4: it yeah. we'll we blame f- him well you know <laughs> for,
2: we thought he was all right and he turned out to be an utter cunt <laughs>
1: yeah So there we have it. That's foreplay for this episode. You thought some of that conversation was depressing. Hold tight for the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to be talking about new one now.
5: In Can something something in at me! Look, fucking melting here. Look at me. Get them their fucking drinks. She driving me fucking mad, she is. I was just telling them about that Deborah down in Bromley. You remember that Deborah? What oh, Deborah? Remember that Deborah? That fucking salt. Why good little salt? When we was kiting up there. Oh, the bank bird. The, the bank bird. Right? So anyway, I get to the door, right? I ring the bell. That's sta- true.
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I ring the bell, right? I'm standing there. I'm waiting, right? There's a geezer standing there and a see-through woman's negligee, right? He's got all the fucking tackle hanging out. He's stark bollock naked, right? Mm. He's got a great big lardy going, on. Yeah, one right? of both ends, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the cigar was bigger. <laughs> so he says to me, oh, hello, you must be Mark. My wife Deborah's told me all about you. Drinks are in there, parties through there, right? And he's pointed, pointed at these doors. What do you call them doors in the fucking films? What do you call them in the, in the cowboy films? Them doors that you get? Louvre doors. Louvre doors, right? So all of a sudden I'm stacking. oh sorry, mate. All right, mate. Cunts. wants to sit in me fucking lap, doesn't he? Anyway, so I go through these louver doors, right? And as I've looked around, you ain't gonna believe what I've seen. There's about eight or nine couples all bang at it, right? There's fucking, it's an orgy. It's yeah. only turned out to be a fucking orgy, Always right? On toe, really. There's arseholes going up and down, there's tits everywhere. It's like watching a bluey, right? I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, oh, maybe some of this. This is a bit of me, this, right? Mm. So I've stripped down, right? Stripped down to me boxer shorts sat down on the sofa, picked up an album cover, and mm. I start rolling Tell the them joint. About the bird. Tell them about the bird. Tell them about the bird bending over the sofa with the big oh, a big earpiece. There's a bird guess, standing yeah. next to me, right? She's got, oh, She's leaning over the sofa. She's got the biggest pair of tits you've ever fucking seen in your life. They are like that, right? And I'm looking at her thinking, fucking, oh, I'd like to get hold of that. But <laughs> I've looked around, she's getting it from behind. She is getting a severe portion right up the fucking Gary, right? <laughs> <laughs> the bird looks down at me, rolling the joint, and she said to me, Oh, no. It ain't going to be one of those parties, is it?
1: By mouth, released on the tenth of October, nineteen ninety-seven, directed and written by Gary Oldman, starring Ray Winston, Kathy Burke, Charlie Creed, Miles, host of EastEnders actors, yeah, Uh Layla Morse, who is Gary Oldman's is it half no, sister? Half sister. It's just just she uses sister? a stage yeah. name. She's,
2: she's some Something Oldman.
1: Yeah, Edmund Edna Dore, Edna Dore, she was in EastEnders. There was Steve
2: Sweeney EastEnders. I don't know. I don't yeah. think he was in EastEnders. But
1: Freddie Foreman's boy. They're all. They're yeah. all here. Synopsis, a rough, short-tempered patriarch of a working-class family has his life and the relationships around him slowly unravel. I'm going to let Charlie fly with this to start with, Paul. Um, because he chose it, I've got a lot to say about it. I think Paul might have. I have yeah. um, go, mate. Just just start okay. us off.
2: It's, it's a film that's really close to my heart. Like mm. It would potentially feature in my top ten, but certainly in my top ten British films yeah. of all time. I just love the authenticity of the dialogue. Um I love the familiarity, not so much the explosive parts of the film or mm-hmm. the uh the, not the the addiction or the violent side, but the familiarity in terms of the setting and the milieu and the language that's used. Yeah. There are parts when Jamie Foreman and Ray Rinston are just sitting around in the front room and the way they talk to each other <laughs> it's like it's like witnessing a conversation that would happen in a pub down the blue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's so authentic, but I'm pretty sure Oldman, although he's written this amazing screenplay, it wouldn't surprise me if he said to both of them, can you improvise a bit and, and just it play seem on... to be a bit of improvising. Yeah.
1: They're definitely in the pub scene at the beginning, I think a lot of that was improvised, but...
2: Everyone's a raconteur in, in that that sort of environment. You know, if you can't tell a story, no one's going to have any time for you. Story or a joke? A joke or a story. And it might be the joke or the story that you've told 20 times before, as they yeah. say when you're in the pub. But yeah. it's the way that you tell it and the idea that every time you tell it, a different thing becomes embellished. Or yeah. it's pure masculinity. It's yeah. pure macho kind of what, what gets called toxic masculinity now at, yeah. its, at its most. In your face and realistic that you'll ever watch on film,
1: in it's, my We're fully aware of pub culture, us for I mean, I run a pub for God knows how long, and we've yeah. all drunk in pubs for yeah. even longer. I, I you did, used to do the I fruit did, machines, didn't I you? I used isn't? to uh,
4: do fruit machines in pubs, I used to DJ in
1: pubs, yeah. so yeah. yeah so we've met these characters a oh. thousand times before, and I mean, we'll, we'll carry on with what you're saying, Charlie, but... It's, yeah. I think it was just the whole fact that it was almost like this fly on the wall type of view because it, it appeared so realistic. As like you said, that could have been my brother and his mate talking in a pub. Some of the yeah. things they were saying. Yeah, but carry on, mate.
2: Well, I sort of part of me resents the fact that it's known as the the film about a woman getting battered or mm-hmm. addiction because it is not just about that. It's about the the environment. It's about what it means to be born into that kind of. Life and how different your life is as a result of that compared to someone who is born in the Cotswolds or something. Yeah. Like, um, but it's, it, I'm just really interested in the story of how it was made. We mentioned the thing with the fifth element, but more so from Gary Oldman's perspective. Gary Oldman's a recovering alcoholic, mm-hmm. and he said that he was getting fed up. One with our cinema was going, because films were not saying anything about real life by this yeah. point in the 90s. there's a really good interview you can watch on YouTube and he's saying uh, the way things are going uh, one would think that cinema began with Reservoir Dogs Mm. everyone's trendy everything's cool everyone's shooting each other and it's got absolutely fuck all to do with what happens in real life and he said what's happening is now you are getting movies imitating movies imitating movies (laughs) so everyone wants to be Tarantino or everyone wants to kind of make The cultural phenomenon that's like Train Spotting, but those oh, that Train Spotting is different because it does very much relate to real life. Mm. But the way people try to emulate it in terms of we want to have that thing that captures the zeitgeist in a cool way, whereas this film is so true to his experience. It's raw, isn't it? Yeah,
1: there's no embellishment here at all.
2: And he was sort of quizzed. By people like Barry Norman and mm. and that you know is Winston's character. You, yeah, he said it's sort of like a, it's aspects of me and my father and what drink did oh, to right. us. Oh, right. I don't think you were saying this is a biographical story, no. but he's trying to depict what, what these substance what these substances do to people. How they take over and how they make you treat other people and how they destroy relationships. Really, yeah. and for me. I don't think I've ever seen a film that's that's done it more successfully. In in a in, in a really bleak and despairing way, but also a in a weirdly enjoyable one as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Paul, your first time watch.
4: Yeah, I'd heard of the film. I knew it was Ray Winston. Didn't know much about it other than that. And I sat down to watch it last week. I got about twenty minutes in. And I'm sitting there feeling really sort of quite uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Ooh.
4: And I'm I'm looking for the plot. And all of a sudden I came to this realisation that there isn't a plot. And the, the fact is the film is made just as me and Scott discussed earlier. It's just almost documentary style, fly on the wall it's just looking at life as how it really was. Yeah. And as soon as I realised that, then I relaxed aware. into it, well, as much as you can, <laughs> and, and watched it for what it was. And as you said, the depiction of real life mm. and the acting was so un It It was... It was just so pure, and as we were saying, we've all been in and around the pub culture. And just I say the first scene in the Working Men's Club or whatever it was. I think it's supposed
2: to be based on the Five Bells in New Cross. Is it? (laughs) It Yeah, Gary Oldman's. It's either that or the Canterbury Arms. Gary Oldman said that he was born about 15 seconds from where that pub is. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think they used no, it's the interior. Good, Although it? they do use the peeps estate and the one I in saw that. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the blue, um, yeah. But it was just
4: so. It was, it was harrowing, but you were enthralled by it. the The acting, um, Kathy Burke, superb in it. Yeah, she's um, she's something else. And I think. the thing is, I had to get past. The fact of
2: Kevin and Perry. No, no, it was
4: Wayne and Wayne at a Slob yeah, that yeah. kept springing to my mind. Yeah. But it, it was, it was a film that after you'd watched it, you, you didn't feel happy by any stretched imagination, but you, you've known that you have just sat there and watched something that is a class bit of work. So it sort of leaves an
2: indelible mark on you. I think, if, like. Even
4: the point of direction, if if you actually watch it back, there's no wide shots. There's no Frames. there's no panoramic arty yeah. shit. It is all close ups. Even to the point of some of the framing it is, it's not even got all the actor in at the time. Yeah. But it. It's as though you were sitting in the room and you were a mate of theirs and you're watching all this violence and drugs and everything. I think
2: it does what Ken Loach and Mike Clee try to do a lot more successfully. And those are two fantastic filmmakers that are holding extremely high regard. But I think the difference is, is that they're possibly trying to show... Something that they never experienced. Yeah, yeah Gary Oldman right. was born in yeah. I a mean, Tustin estate. Of course he did. Yeah. Of course he still
4: did. That film was definitely made by someone that's witnessed some of, if not all, of what went on.
2: But this is why I think he's not written and directed anything else. Yeah, he wasn't doing it to be a director. He was doing it because I've got this story in me, yeah. and I need to Dedicated get it out to his dad yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's his mum singing at the end as well. That's actually his mum's voice that's dubbed over. I could see it was dubbed,
1: um, but I didn't realise who it was, yeah. Paul and I were talking shortly before you turned up, and I said to Paul, I tried to find a word to describe what I felt about this film. Yeah. And I couldn't find a word. I said, the only word, the only way I could describe this film was, ooh. Yeah. (laughs) It hit me. It hit a spot in me that movies don't often do. Right,
2: that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Every now and again you'll watch a film and you know that that movie you are going to be watching again for the rest of your life. Right, okay. not, that's, that's, not every yeah.
4: other week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh Christ, no. Yeah. And not a manic depressive.
1: But you know <laughs> it's made some mark somewhere in the back of your brain that one particular scene which we will discuss in a second because it has to be brought up. It just hit a point with me, hit a spot that I just know that it's your one of your top ten movies. I'm not yeah. going to say it's one of my top ten movies, but it's going to be up there for me. Oh, okay. Um, woefully unseen from what I can work out, because mm. nobody really talks about it, or they only know it as a domestic violence movie, as you say. Which,
2: which yeah. is for me, it's as much about addiction. It's about mm. relationships. It's about, it's about, relationships. It's yeah. about yeah.
1: family. It's about the environment that all of this goes on. I've I'm,
2: literally just come from that environment <laughs> I've as literally well.
4: Just like, yeah. it From there. Yeah. But also, I think. If you take into account the industry in which all three of us work in or have worked in, yes, it it it, it rings true. Uh, so much of it.
1: I was going to say, in this age where movies stylize drug taking, and I'm talking Pulp Fiction, and Train Spotting, and things like that. You know the way they actually depict it. That scene where the boy is actually banging up.
2: Yeah. Or in the back uh, of the van. Not in the
1: back of the van, the one before when he's in the Gary, lock up. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Um, probably the most realistic depiction of it actually
2: mm. This is what... Another thing that Gary Oldman was talking about in an interview, when he's talking about movies, in, imitating movies, and them not relating to real life, he said, all right, cinematically, I enjoyed leaving Las Vegas... Mm. but the reality is when you drink like that yeah. you're not as charming as you think you are you <laughs> fucking stink and you bleed from your arsehole yeah. feelings don't show that but this is <laughs> but this is like what this is trying to say yeah. that it is the worst thing yeah. that you can do to yeah. yourself it's by not
4: it's not a glamorous life <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: it's how many in without going into details how many people have we spoken to in our line of work and people have said my relationship I, I, I turned to these substances or I started to drink like this after a relationship breakdown, but the yeah. reality is actually, no, that relationship broke down because of your dependency of yes. on no substances. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
1: exactly. Exactly. You read between the lines. Yeah. Exactly, exactly true. Mate. And that's,
2: I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I'm just acutely aware of how they destroy families and relationships, yes. those mm. things when they're done yeah. to that level of excess.
1: We're all sort of well aware of horror films or action movies where violence is expected in that sort of film.
0: Mm.
1: And a lot of the time it is it's signposted. We, we know when that particular bit of violence or that particular bit of gore is going to happen. Let's talk about this one particular scene because it is quite remarkable. Um, it hits you so unexpectedly. I I, I wanted to turn away. But at the same time, I couldn't. Yeah, mm. we, we, we are. We do know what scene we're talking about. Well, I mean, there, there says, are
2: you, there's there's a kind of overture for it with regards to the nose in, in the build like, up
1: with the Paul playing in the pub.
2: Well, also what he does to his brother in law as well when he can't find his gear bites his nose uh-huh. off. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, but even that as revolting and as as staggering as it is, it, it doesn't prepare you for what comes. No, um, but. He's he's menace. is signposted from the opening shot. Oh yeah. He orders mm-hmm. drinks in a frightening way. You yeah. <laughs> know I mean? <laughs> so, I yeah. I you, you got to try.
1: <laughs> no try.
4: Yeah. Um, There's no manners there, is there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fuck me.
1: But is that a reflection of that like, society that I wanted to turn away from it? I just. But at the same time, well, you're compelled to keep watching as well. I I don't
4: think you'd be a proper human if you didn't want to turn away from yeah. it because you do It's like just in life in general, you don't want to believe that it happens, but it actually does.
1: You don't actually see any physical blows. Take no, away. but it's, it. it's but the, the
4: sound of him hitting her. It's the sound of her screaming. It's, you know
1: what's going on.
2: Yeah, the fact that the, yeah. the the daughter is sitting on the stairs yeah. and mm. can hear everything. And and, and he just part. says, go back to bed. Like, and it, it's that also that thing that oh, like you don't see anything. As such, but you're more than compensated for it in terms of the way that she looks when but, she's sitting at the table. But do the you know what got after. me
4: worse on that
2: is after he says the daughter to go to bed,
4: he shows a little bit of realization of what he's done. But
2: there's a bit where he feels, he, yeah, he thinks he's going to start pulling his hair yeah. out. Yeah, but fucking hell, like, but
4: there's no, there's no real remorse. I mean, there's no instant sort of, oh, fuck, what have oh, I done? Damn. And I mean, there's a lot of swearing in this film. Mm. Um, the record, apparently. At for the it, time.
1: Yeah. At the time, it held the record for the most fucks and cunts. Yeah. 486 cunts.
2: I think that was his... <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, Sounds like it, the Man United crowd. <laughs> Satire. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, that, like, you never feel sorry for... Because he's called Raymond in this as well. Yeah, so you don't well, have any sympathy for Raymond. Wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but I th- I think the point is is that without wishing to defend his behaviour, it comes out of him absolutely fucking despising himself. Mm. And then that is that is shown in the scene where he's just on this this binge, like he's on this bender. And in some respects, that is just as much disturbing to me as a that domestic violence scene.
1: That bit, I mean, I was going to ask the question, how many of us here have got that drunk? Never. That we've had that conversation on the phone with nobody. We've had this no. talking to a mirror. No.
4: Um, I mean, you at, talk to yourself at times, but yeah, not...
1: But have you had this conversation no. where you're, you're enacting out a whole scenario? I'm not, I'm not talking about the bit where he goes and trashes the whole fucking flat. But the point where he's picking up the phone and having a conversation... She's not there, obviously, is she? We know that for a fact, you know, because he's kicked the fuck out of the phone socket. But he's there and it's going on and it is just litres and litres of vodka going down his neck. And you're expecting him to pass out at some point, but it's just relentless. And as it goes on, the injuries become apparent, the blood on his hands and and things like that. What the hell has he been doing all this time to get to that point?
2: It's that thing of people drinking and getting it into their head that everything will get sorted tomorrow, and I'm going to sort yeah. it out. And he's he's visualising now he's going to try and yeah. sort this out, even though it's at that point it seems irredeemable. Mm. But it, that that in some respects is the most disturbing part of the film to me because that is someone who is is like more animal than human.
1: It, it gave me the impression of, of like some sort of caged animal going yeah. absolutely berserk. That's the feeling I And then got. you see
2: what he actually does to the flat itself. Mm. Yeah. And the nursery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, can...
4: You just reminded me the fact that she was pregnant when he beat her up as yeah. well. It's just, I mean, not that you can ever excuse beating a woman like that anyway, mm. but Having no compunction about the fact yeah. that you're probably killing
2: your own child, oh, He doesn't just... even
1: say to her after he's done it, "You're not going to ring your mum, you're not going to a doctor, yeah. or something." He, he does, He yeah. Yeah. Said her. you're not going to hospital, yeah. yeah.
2: What, what kind of made me, my blood sort of turn cold was the fact that when um, Layla Morse turns up and mm. sees all these injuries that have been, mm. been sort of imposed on her. She says, I've got it I've got one over, I've got it by yeah, a car. Totally defending him, yeah. Even yeah. at that and even at that point Layla Moore still believes him, even though yeah. she knows that subsequently he has yeah. So this is why people kinda of get away with it, because yeah. there is this like wall of silence around everything. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And women are often too embarrassed to to say that they've been in an abusive they also, relationship.
2: Uh, not every woman who, who is beaten or abused, but there There are a lot of cases of women will psychologically think of reasons in their mind as to why it was their fault yeah. when that mm-hmm. couldn't be further yeah. from the case yes. yeah. uh but
4: it's but that's <laughs> well, the way they've been almost brainwashed into it over a period yeah. of time, hasn't it
2: but then uh, I keep referring to like Gary Oldman's interviews about mm. the film because I'm obsessed with the film, and he's mm. the fact that he actually wrote and directed something, yeah, so I've always looked into what he said about it, and he said. It's one of these situations where because it comes out of jealousy because she's playing pool mm. with the bloke in the pub yeah. she's somehow managed to get into red that that's the way he shows he loves me. He's that wound up that I'm talking to another bloke. He's willing to go to that length. Yeah. Yeah. He obviously cares. Yeah. He, might have an, he, he might have an incredibly horrible way of showing it but that <laughs> means that he's he's not at least he's not apathetic. Mm. Yeah, He's noticed that I'm
1: talking to another bloke yeah. basically.
2: And that is really disturbing, and shows you what a complex psychological issue of abuse is on both mm. both sides of it.
1: Can I just—I say, I mean, you touched on this earlier—that the aftermath of that attack, Kathy Burke's performance is something superb. Mm. Not just the way she rattles off this story about her being run over and things like that, but the makeup was so convincing; it really yeah. looked painful, and. And again, sort of what Paul was saying earlier about remembering her as Waynetta a slob, mm. or from Kevin and Perry. We've said previously that Emma Thompson is a bit of a national treasure and a massive favourite of this particular show. You know, we love Emma Thompson. I want to include Kathy Burke. Shame, man. I love the woman. Um, and and it's, it seems quite sad to say that when you think of someone like, say, Rick Mayle, mm. sadly no longer with us, and you think back to his comedic beginnings of the young ones, Bottom, Blackadder, things like that. Towards the end of his life, as he was doing these more serious, dramatic roles, equally well, it's only now after he's gone that we only appreciate him. Yeah. And I think it would be a fucking travesty if that happened to Kathy Burke. I think she should be appreciated now. For some of the work she's done or is doing, I mean, she's directed stuff as well now, hasn't she's, she? I
2: she's think. extremely um, a lot of theatre work, big in theatre, but yeah. also like um, introducing kids to theatre that normally mm. wouldn't gravitate towards it and giving them the opportunity to see if that, this is something they want to do, rather than it being well, that's the, you go to RADA yeah. because you're middle class or whatever, and yeah. then you make it. But so. the kids today are brought up
4: with so much TV and film that they don't even understand half of them, that there's a theatre out there. Yeah. That is yeah. that is more real acting than having 20 chances to take the In, same scene.
2: If I remember uh, I was listening to Radio 2 the other day and uh, Tamsin Greig and Matt LeBlanc mm. was on it because they've got that sitcom episode. Episodes, episodes yeah. yeah. And I asked, she does a lot of theatre work. And she said, Well, Matt doesn't, he's scared of doing theatre work. And I said, Oh, is that true? Like he said, Yeah, yeah, I'm terrified of it. Well, so you've never done any theatre work. I said no and I was actually amazed that an actor of that um magnitude had yeah. never done any theatre work. He must be yeah. mid forties. I just assume it now. Yeah. I mean, I know you get certain actors like Pacino, who's just as renowned on the stage as he is on the screen. Yeah. And dare mm. I say Kevin Spacey, I know obviously well, he will. Again,
1: I suppose you know, you're talking man the side twenty twenty five years ago. There must be a generation of actors that are strictly T V. Yeah, that's like it. they've yeah. never done a movie either. But like, you
4: know, it was, it, your John Travolta's anything like that, they all came up through Broadway or off of
2: Broadway Mate Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: He was, yeah. That's what I mean, Yeah, it's true, yeah.
4: it's Yeah, everyone, that was the journey, wasn't it? It journey, was... Tread the boards. Yeah. yeah, and then if you're lucky enough, you get picked out to become a TV or movie star.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I think she's incredible. Incredible in this yeah. and incredible in general. But I also think it's a film in which there isn't a bad performance.
1: No, I was just about to say, mm. Logan Morse is not big Mo from EastEnders in this she is um, get
2: that cunt a dose of poison (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love Steve Sweeney in this Steve Sweeney which one's Steve Sweeney go with
1: a tattooed face
2: and the the taxi driver coat the the real the scene where they're sitting (laughs) in the flat and he's reciting the uh, not even exchange it's a monologue from Dennis Dennis Hopper in Apocalypse Now yes yeah and it's like I've seen people do that yeah Um, yeah, because you
4: all got your, your film that you know word for word. Because yeah. yeah. um, when he when he was saying it, I'm like, I know that film, I know that film, and then I was like, that's
2: Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> he hates this. <laughs> um, what have I seen him in before? So Steve Sweeney is in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking it Yeah, and he just I... seems to have disappeared. Yeah, hmm.
4: no, yeah, brown coat on. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: But uh, he's probably the most underrated character in the film. Yeah, um, <laughs> holding the puppy outside the laundrette. Man,
1: I recognise <laughs> the guy in the laundrette as well, the fat bloke that that ran into him with the puppy. He's become, he's in the football factory, is he? I was gonna yeah. say he's become an actor. Well, he's become yeah. an actor. He's become more notable late. late that's then. right. Yeah.
2: And I'm pretty sure that laundrettes down the old Kemp Road.
1: I recognise the old Kent Road in a couple of scenes. Actually. They drive mm. past the Dun Cow yeah. and the Tesco yeah, and that, don't they? Yeah.
2: And then they get out at the Blue Anchor Pub yes. down the Blue, and he, that's where he, when he. Clumps him, he's coming out of the wimpy, isn't he? Yeah, side, yeah. But, um, I think that wimpy's still there. It is, <laughs> I, was, I was there not long ago. But all these things contribute to the special relationship I have with the film because it's like. Well, yeah, if it's your it's neck it's of the woods yeah. as well, yeah. it's always going to
4: be special, isn't it?
2: But there's just so much that I could say about it. it well,
4: to me, it's not a film that I could watch even once a year. Because Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My birthday, just to cheer me up. Um, but it's never one that I would say I wouldn't go back to because it is oh, it's one I'd say to people to watch not for the entertainment value, but the fact that it is just. If you want to just, move. it you it want it be is, moved by a yeah, piece of cinema, yeah, it, you? If, if you want something that isn't your normal Hollywood dross. That is actually gonna show you some of what real
2: life is actually like, then then yeah, it is a great film. It's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea, but I promise you that anyone who watches it would not be unmoved. Mm. They might hate it, they might think, No, I don't need to see this. Yeah. But I can't imagine anyone being ambivalent. Yeah. I,
4: I'd watch that a dozen times
2: rather than watch Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, if the if, if DiCaprio started knocking her about Beat me like one of your about. French girls
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what else was remarkable just sort of winding this up a wee bit if you didn't know that the soundtrack was by Eric Clapton I don't think you'd realise No, because
4: there's some because it says at the yeah. start on the credits yeah. uh, and you your music it, you by Eric you'd... Clapton I'm like, really? Is that Eric Clapton? David's because the <laughs> There's some sort of soulish music played in the car. There's a
2: couple of tracks by Frankie Ashman, I think her name is. Like the scene when Kathy Burke's just kind of starting to feel herself again and she's dancing with her nan in the kitchen, which is a really nice scene because it shows you how people in that situation have to unfortunately fucking get a grip and get on with things. Mm. Like a lot of women in in working class Mm. culture, they get treated like shit and they just have to fucking grin and bear it and that, yeah. I think that's a big part of it but yeah there are there are a lot of other soundtrack bits that are basically instrumental that don't yeah. sound typically Clapton yeah. there is there is one bit when you know when he punches the cigarette in the playgrounds yeah that's off on the Osbury estate just outside my nan's old flat and you can hear Clapton sort of singing and slash moaning actually in the background <laughs> But I did think it was an interesting choice that they got him yeah. in.
0: Yeah.
2: I think it's because when you've got this content in a film, you don't want to use music that's too schmaltzy. Yeah. And over-exit, you want to use something that's more blues-like. And yeah.
1: But it didn't appear too bluesy, that was the thing.
2: The so. opening kind of thing yeah. in the the pub with the credits coming up seemed a little bit yeah. kind of bluesy classical yeah. guitar. But
1: But I wouldn't have instantly have said, no. That's an Eric Clapton soundtrack, that is. Which you is know. odd, isn't it? Because yeah. you'd
2: think that would, that'd be used as a selling point.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's well. Again, this whole film is is woefully underseen, or a lot of people don't know about it, or they yeah, know it's it, Or they know it for different it? reasons. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a general thumbs up all round, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's remarkably considering the subject matter. And
4: I was going to say it, it's it's not a subject matter you. Like search for on your films <laughs> no, to watch. No, but
2: then if you are going to cover these subject matters in a film, fucking do it properly. Yeah, don't don't do it half-hearted. Don't sort of because it trivialises it and it's disrespectful yeah. to the people who suffered as a result from otherwise. Ooh. And mm-hmm. there's and there's a few sort of me references. So <laughs> well,
0: every Can film has happen? its bad points. <laughs> well, yeah. well, someone
2: said. So- someone did ask me about this. They said, "What do you reckon about the fact that Ray Rintstone?" actually had to get a mere wall tattoo yeah. when, when, he, when he attacks Cathy Burke you mm. see the mere wall tattoo mm. oh how do you reckon he felt about that because he's a fanatical West Ham supporter yeah. so. mm. probably as bad as he felt about having to play an abusive alcoholic <laughs> to yeah. be honest of like, like, uh, his worries that
1: day yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay guys we'll take a short break and we'll be back with what we're watching next time
3: and now preview time
4: When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So
3: let's take a look at what's coming your way.
1: Okay, guys, next time, it is Charlie's choice. It was yours, wasn't it? Oh, it's mine.
2: Yeah, yeah. we've just done two Charlie films.
1: Next time, it's my choice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be the person with the mind who chose Neil by Mouth and this film. And this
1: film. (laughs) Well, if listeners listened a couple of episodes ago, they'll know what it is. We, We deliberately... Sort of went light and dark, didn't we, Charlie? Once I knew what you were going to be doing, I thought I'd better do something a bit lighter for our next episode. Um, So it's Dancer in the Dark. No, it's (laughs) (laughs) Tootsie from 1982 Mm. with Dustin Hoffman. Charlie's seen it. I know you love it. We've been planning to review this for a while. Paul... Had you seen it before this I'd watch?
4: seen bits. Bit. So first time I've seen it all the way through.
1: Excellent. Okay, so that'll be Tootsie next time. Charlie, Paul, thank you very much indeed, guys. Thank and you. See you very soon. We. Oui.
3: The management of this theatre suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Astrid Armstrong, that infernal Jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear. Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you feel down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said. Don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking. Laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side. On hope so much defense. With your confidence sinking Positive thinking Helps you on the way, my friend When things look black Try positive thinking Treat every season of spring No glancing back Try positive thinking Trust what tomorrow may bring This crazy world That we live in will keep on spinning round But with good Strong, positive thinking. We'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up, you ugly bitch.
4: Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.